Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. The Three Down Greencast is brought to you by the Pile of Bones Brewing Company, Regina's only downtown brewery. So it's been a busy few days across Canada as uh, one of our favorite pastimes and favorite sports on ice has returned to much fanfare, especially tonight in the last few days. It's really starting to take off again as people across the country are talking about it. It is, of course, the return of hashtag 8 end Nation. Curling season is again upon us, so uh, you will be hearing John and I making uh, the reference to 8 end Nation every once yes. in a while. I'm sorry, was, <laughs> did you guys think I was talking about some other sport on ice? Because... I don't know, apparently some other one started tonight, some guy in Toronto scored, I don't know, whatever, I'm not, it, I'm not well, really paying I, attention to what's going on there, but more importantly... Uh, all I know is two guys in Toronto scored, that's 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 the thing I heard, but you're right, Aiden Nation, and if you're new to following either one of us, us along with John Hodge of uh, the Blue Bomber Talk podcast, um, we tweet about curling a lot, and I have more inside info on curling than I do any other sport, so... We've often joked about the hashtag 8N Nation podcast, and maybe one of these days we'll make it a reality. I think at one point, maybe at least because we've tested the technology with uh, Haji after we did the Labor Day preview with him, that I, we can yes. get the three of us on Skype together to make a phone call and record it. Then maybe at some point, maybe just as a one-off, we should probably do an 8N Nation podcast just for the hell of it some point before like the Briar <laughs> or something. I don't yes. know. You know, we should totally do that. I think we're going to have to bring that up with Haji because... I think he'll definitely be on board. I have no idea where we would host it or anything like that in terms of online because none of us are really actually going to invest the money into making an 8nnation.com. <laughs> so, no, 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 no. I don't. Let's, no. Let's just, we'll just make a Twitter handle uh, and we can just post it to wherever we post these things to. Uh, one-off. But you know what? I feel like a one-off 8nnation Briar preview would be more entertaining than most podcasts trying to talk about the smallest amount of CFL news twice a week on a poor connection, um, you know, during the offseason in February. Yeah, I, I mean, that's that's certainly fair. I mean, we'll certainly continue to do writer podcasts over the offseason as they arrive. But yeah, you know what? Middle of season of champions, Canada's best sport on ice. What really could be better? I mean, we're, we already talk about Canadian football, so we might as well have some fun with curling as well. And as the season continues to progress here, and if big curling news comes up, we might touch on it from time to time. Because, I mean, if you love Canadian football, you love curling, you love beer, it all kind of just it all just kind of goes together nicely. It, it really, just perfect Canadiana in 30 to 45 minutes. So we, uh, we got a few things to get to on today's episode. It might be a little shorter because John and I both have uh, early morning flights tomorrow to uh, oh, yeah. different destinations for very different reasons, which we don't really need to get into. But uh, we are going to touch on the Riders uh, and their bid for the 2020 Grey Cup. Kind of, you know, our thoughts on them, first of all, doing that and their chances of them getting it and what is really the only thing standing in their way of that. Uh, John's going to rant about people complaining about the Halftime Act, the Grey Cup. We'll share our thoughts on that overall. And we're going to get into that game a little bit and ask the question, you know, are the Riders for real now? Is this the team that you believe can finally host that playoff game? And did the offense maybe answer a few questions 
after that game in a positive manner, and maybe not necessarily the full spectrum, but there might be positive steps on that front, but there are some maybe some step backwards in some other spots as well. But as always, uh, John, before we get to all that, uh, what's in the glass this week? No, this week, going back to one of uh, your and my favorites, one that you introduced me to, that being the Nokomis Pale Ale. Uh, again, loaded up uh, on the craft beer in the fridge. Haven't drank it all, surprisingly, within the <laughs> first three days like I normally do. So I'm able to pace myself. And uh, I went into my fridge, had another. I had one last pile of bones, white IPA, sitting there looking at me. And I could see the little buffalo talking to me, be like, John, I'm your sponsor. <laughs> and I just went, nah, it's winter. I need something that feels like winter. So back to the Nokomis Pale Ale, one of my favorites. Absolutely. I uh, can admit that I enjoyed a few Nokomis Brown over the weekend, as I had Ooh, those in my uh, fridge, which are always a lovely delight when the temperature drops a little bit for me. Uh, with the 5.30 in the morning flight that I have tomorrow, I'm keeping it a little light and I'm uh, sticking with the, what I consider Saskatchewan's light beer, the Lentil Cream Ale, which if I believe, from Rebellion of course, which I believe, if based on the rotation, should be available at Mosaic Stadium on Monday, along with uh, Prairie Sun and Churchill, because they were the first ones, and we kind of went through the first three back in the, you know, how that whole rotation works, so I believe the Lentil Cream will be available at Mosaic Stadium on Monday, but uh, I haven't heard for sure yet, no one's really announced it yet, but based on the rotation, I think that's... That's how that should go. A little Monday fun day. Make sure you sell it out. Vote with your wallets, people. The Steel Jewels line. Absolutely. I mean, it's, well, it's not exactly my line. There's uh, lots of people using it. But uh, certainly, yeah, support the local craft beer. Sell it out again. And uh, hopefully it can convince uh, Real and the Riders to uh, up the levels of uh, craft beer available at Mosaic Stadium next season. Well, a few years from now, the Riders are hoping to get back into the Grey Cup hosting game, as it was announced uh, this week, first on uh, Sports Cage on 620 CKRM, with uh, President and CEO Craig Reynolds saying that the Riders will bid for the 2020 Grey Cup at New Mosaic Stadium. Uh, they eventually then decided to let the other media know officially that they were going to do this as well, rather than just through the rights partners, but... That's not my problem anymore, not being in radio. So I am uh, well, well free to talk about any sort of media source now that I want at this point. So what I really think about that doesn't matter anymore. So the news is out there. And it, to me, to me, this was not a shock at all. Maybe the timing of the actual announcement itself was a little interesting. And we'll get into that. But to me, all along, the timeline of 2020 was pretty much where I thought it would be. Um, I have a piece coming to 3downnation.com eventually here, depending on when it gets posted. You, it might be up now, it might not be. So just keep an eye out if it's not already on on my thoughts on this bidding process and how I think the riders are basically a slam dunk unless one thing happens, and we'll get into that in a second. But the backstory on this Grey Cup bid to me begins probably in 2016 before they moved into their new stadium. Mm -hmm. And so because there was a new stadium being built and they were going to move in in 2017, naturally all the talk instantly started to, when are the Riders going to host the Great Cup next? As mm -hmm. what happens in new stadiums in basically any sport where neutral site championship games are held. And people started talking, you know, 17 was obviously too early, but then there were some people who thought oh, maybe they'll do 18, maybe they'll do 19. And all along I was like, no, 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 no. There was, at the time, a source close to the organization that told me that they were going to play three seasons at Mosaic Stadium before 
bidding for the Grey Cup. And here we right. are. So that would be 2017, 2018, 2019. Those are three seasons. The very first season after that is 2020. And here they are bidding for the Grey Cup, just like I figured they would all along. And we know the reasons why Saskatchewan should get it. The fans are going to go crazy. Yeah. Um, it's going to sell out very, very fast. I'm sh- I believe Mosaic Stadium is expandable. I forget the number that it's expandable to with something the end zone like areas. It, it's just south of 40, isn't it? I remember. Something, something in that range, yeah. Yeah, I, it's 33 normally, and then I think they said for a Grey Cup, it's right around that 40-ish range. Because I remember people going, well, I don't keep it at 40 all the time. And, well... No, you have to create you have to create demand for regular games and all that. Hundred percent, it's simple economics that so many people don't get. But um, let's 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 just call it forty and yeah. uh, for a great cup game, which is probably about standard now. I don't, you know, we, yeah. we're seeing a little smaller, a little bigger from time to time. But the days I think of like the seventy thousand great cup seats are over. Um, yeah, just based on TV and the way everything is now. But so we know we know it's going to sell out. Um, I think Everaz Place, for it, despite its flaws, for a lot of things, is a great Grey Cup festival place where they're able yes. to put everyone, except for uh, Spirit of Edmonton, because they do off go off and do their own thing anyway under yeah. one roof. It's one pass gets you into all the places. Having been to a few Grey Cups, that was my the best part to me about 2013. Here yeah. was that everything was under one roof and one pass got you into all the parties. So I and, and and the other thing with that, and, and I think they did a very good job in, of the pre-selling the passes, because yeah. I know my group I was there with, we made sure to pre-purchase passes for the whole week. Mm-hmm. Uh, the only thing was then we had people that had joined our group late uh, that were then going to Everaz Place and like they had to wait in line first thing in the morning just to get uh, just to get some passes. But you're right, Regina 2013. I've uh, I've been to. Oh God! It's it's three or four Grey Cups off the top of my head, mm-hmm. um, and I think Regina, the way it was put together, the way you had easy shuttle service from just about every hotel you went. You know, we basically we arrived and we parked the car and just went and partied. You even had shuttles from you mentioned Spirit of Edmonton's always off site, but you even had a shuttle. From well, your your center is not that far from there, so really, yeah, exactly. And, but I mean, it was it was a nice. It, it was well done by the organizers because I know that's been an issue in other Grey Cup cities, which mm-hmm. uh, we can maybe. Did you want me to get into that now? Well, I, I think part of the, and I think this comes down to why the riders wanted to wait, right? To figure yes. out the logistics of how their stadium's going to work in terms of people getting in and out. Have you every day to just simple day to day operational stuff that you want to know perfectly before hosting like something like the Grey Cup? And yeah. they're, they're still figuring things out, and they're still figuring out the bus service, and they're still working on these sorts of things. That So they get that down, and then they host the Grey Cup, and this is where you come in. So they don't be like Winnipeg, where they host too early, yes. and they're in a new stadium and don't have a clue what they're doing. Yeah, and, and you're absolutely right. I personally was not in Winnipeg, but uh, the old crew that I, I worked on the Two and Out CFL podcast with, Brazilian Thai and Travis Curra, they both went, and Travis has been to the past... I want to say it's something like 10 or 11 Grey Cups consecutively, and he rarely has anything bad to say about the Grey Cup. But I remember uh, we had a conversation on that podcast, the three of us, that Winnipeg was a nightmare. Uh, from seats being sold, Travis, his wife, and Brazilian Thai, their seats did not exist. They showed up to the stadium with their tickets, and they're like, uh, yeah, these don't exist. So then they missed nearly the entire first half trying to get to guest services to get this ticketing issue figured out before they finally got some seats 
Um, the shuttle service was completely broken. Many of the, the party venues were off-site. Um, basically, everything you could do wrong, Winnipeg did wrong. And I'm glad to see that you know the riders came and learned their lesson, which is, it's funny. I've also been to Grey Cups in, uh, in Toronto in 07 and Vancouver in 2011. And even those cities that are not CFL cities per se are basically smart enough to say, oh, Let's have all the parties in the same place, same block, same stumbling distance, right? So you're right. I think they can learn from the mistakes that Winnipeg made with the logistics and everything like that. And and obviously the riders, I wouldn't be surprised um, if they are granted 2020 to see another test event with the temporary seating, be that a Labor Day be that another huge rock concert or something like uh, something along those realms. But, you know, the riders continue to do everything right with this stadium, mm-hmm. with the venue. Yep. Um, and, and I would love for them to, to I wouldn't be surprised if, hey, we got 2020 or whatever year they get it. And then, oh, by the way, we're hosting U2 in concert. Well, I wouldn't be there because. I think U2 is one of the most overrated bands on the planet, but I, I, I get your point. <laughs> right, right. Just, I get I'm your point, thinking, yeah. I'm thinking of somebody they could sell, that could sell 40,000 seats, right? Yeah, uh, there, there would be uh, something. They've, they, they, they would probably follow very much the game plan we saw heading into 2013 with all the extra seating there as well. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that's there, and I think the idea that they wanted to figure out all these logistics makes sense, and that's the same approach they took along with the city of Regina to building the stadium in the first place was, okay, we're, we're going to go with this company that, is, that built the freaking Jerry Jones Palace down in Dallas and yeah. has experience doing these things. And uh, we're going to plan, uh, you know, we're going to plan an appropriate budget and we're going to give ourselves like eight months by the, before this thing even opens before we even play a game in there. Yeah. We're, we're going to make sure that there, there's no, okay, it's the week before and now we're finally done. It's going to be done well in advance before we ever actually play a game in there and we being the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, of course, in this situation. So all this is, uh, uh, you know, all this is really fair game, and it's all really good reasons why the Riders should probably host the 2020 Grey Cup. Um, yeah. There's the usual attractions. The hotel situation has gotten better. Airbnb exists now, and people have really adopted to that. But accommodations will still always kind of be a little bit of an issue here. Yeah. Compared to places like Toronto and Vancouver and Edmonton and Calgary, that just, it's, just, it's just impossible to ever really fully fix. I guess yeah. what they do have going forward in that regard is... Regina tends to be more of a local Grey Cup. You do get people from out of town, but a lot of the tickets end up getting sold to people in Saskatchewan. Yeah, certainly. Um, so that eases that pressure a little bit, and that's that's both good and bad. It's good. You know the tickets are sold, but it's not as fun because what's really fun about the Grey Cup and going to the Grey Cup is just what a national celebration it is. Yeah. With fans from across the country and even still some from Baltimore that still come every year, so... That's the fun side of it, so that's kind of the downside of it, but at the same time, I think ultimately, though, all of this adds up and it says, okay, yeah, the riders should do it, it's going to be a slam dunk, except for one important point, and that's that the Grey Cup is in Edmonton this year. Yep. The Grey Cup is in Calgary next year. Yes. So, does the CFL really want to stay out west three years in a row? And there's one market in the Eastern Division that hasn't hosted a Grey Cup since 1996, recently cleared litigation issues against their stadium that were preventing them from bidding on the Grey Cup because they didn't want any of that lingering over any of that sort of thing, which is completely Mm -hmm. understandable. So all that's clear now. So really, and 
I wrote about it again on Three Down Nation. This is a green light for the Riders unless Hamilton steps up and puts in a bid as well. And then that should basically, unless their bid ends up being complete trash, which I can't see it happening, Yeah, that should pretty much put an end to it no matter how good the rider bid would be. You'd be like, sorry, try again in 2021, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Well, well, and I think, too, the riders, though, with announcing it before Hamilton's made a move, I think this is the riders basically saying, okay, it is time to pee or get off the pot here. Like... Everybody knows that Hamilton is basically owed, basically do a Grey Cup. Yeah. But everybody, like, they have to get get their poop in a group and, and come together and actually bid on the thing, right? This isn't the old days of tap somebody on the shoulder and say you're hosting the Grey Cup. And I think the CFL may not want three straight Western Grey Cups. But, and I've said this before... I think after the debauchery and the embarrassment that was the Grey Cup in Toronto with the free tickets with a large pizza, mm-hmm. I said you need to go to your strong each one of your strongest markets before you ever consider going back to Toronto or Vancouver again, period. And to me, that means, and I don't care the order what you get it, that means Edmonton seeing it again, Calgary, Saskatchewan, Ottawa, Hamilton. To me, those got to be your next five Grey Cup locations. And the cities seem to be on board with that. Those are the cities the Grey Cup's doing well. Mm-hmm. Notice I've admitted Winnipeg because, uh, again, theirs was also a bit of a disaster. And that needs some separation, some time to breathe, I think, as well. So I think the CFL, now that they're not tapping cities on the shoulder saying you're hosting it, they kind of took away some of their own power in basically saying, okay, who's bidding for what year? Now, I do believe behind the scenes somebody's saying – you know, hey, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, you should slide in here, you should slide in here. But Mm -hmm. I'm a firm believer that now the CFL at least has some plausible deniability to say, well, yeah, we stayed out West three straight years. They were all successes, and nobody came forward in 2020. So I I, I think, I, I don't think the CFL will care as much or should care as much because I think what the CFL still needs after the Vancouver, Toronto, Winnipeg stretch is they need some real bangers of a bunch of Grey Cups. And whether that's Saskatchewan, whether that's Edmonton, whether that's Saskatchewan 2020, Edmonton, or or, pardon me, Hamilton 2021, whatever order that happens in, to me, that is like, that. that's, they just need some more good Grey Cups and they need a string of them until they start looking at something else. Oh, absolutely. I'm not, I'm not suggesting that if, Toronto were to put a bid in for some reason that they should get it over Saskatchewan. I, I, right. I think it's entirely up to Hamilton as to whether this thing goes to Saskatchewan in 2020. Um, maybe Montreal, maybe. Uh, the, the things yeah. aren't great there, but Quebec is still... Quebec itself is still a very strong football province right now, and I think for a yeah. one-week event, people from across the province might come in for that and experience the party. And we, love, we know Montreal loves to party, so if they market that thing right, it could work. I don't imagine Montreal would, but who knows? Maybe they will. Maybe they will have the roof with the big O fix by then, and it can support snow because, you know, it snows yeah. in Canada in the winter, and they can play the game there. Or, or in the summer or in the fall, apparently, these days. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, yeah, I don't disagree with anything that you said. They shouldn't give it to the East just for the sake of giving it to the East because it's been in back-to-back Western locations. And, yes, the league has taken that decision kind of out of their hands to a degree by going to the bidding process, which I think is a far fairer and better situation. So you don't have these backroom deals of, you know, UK, you sell the Argos and we'll give you three great cups in a row kind of thing, yeah. like basically what happened in BC. So, 
<clears throat> I, I think there's there's certainly merits to that, and it could lead to a situation where you have three Western spots in a row, depending. And again, there's nothing wrong with that. It'll do well in Saskatchewan. And if Hamilton does step up and bid, and they have a good bid, and they deserve to win, then that's great. Because I think, you know, the people of Hamilton have been waiting this for this thing for freaking ever. There are people who are probably close to being Hamilton Ty- Ticat season ticket holders now that have never even had a great cup in their city. Yeah, that's true. So they're certainly <laughs> owed it. And if the bid's there and the bid's good, that's great. And there are people who will continue to say, well, it should just come to Saskatchewan because they'll make money. Well, yeah, but they're going to make money in Hamilton as well because people are dying oh, yeah. for this thing. So if it's Hamilton in 2020... And Regina in 2021, whatever. They're both going to be huge hits, and there won't be an issue, whether it would, no matter which order it goes in. And I think really yeah. what threw the order out of whack, really, because I think I think the rotation, what the CFL was probably hoping for, seemed pretty obvious a few years ago. It was going to be Edmonton this year, and then they, it, you know, there was everything suggested that if the stadium was sorted out, it should have been Hamilton in 19 and then the Riders in 20 because that's how the team, the Riders timeline leaned, li- lined up for them as well. Yeah. And then they couldn't figure it out. They, they, the Hamilton litigation situation just went on and on and on and on. And so, you know, this whether Calgary was actually planning on ever bidding anytime soon or not, I don't know. I'd heard some things about their organ- the organization really just basically focusing on the Flames and the Hitmen and not really being all that interested or putting big oomph behind the Flames for uh, for behind the Stampeders for a push for something that big. But yeah, considering, you know, I don't even know if anyone else stepped up in t- for uh, 2019. So it was basically the league probably said, okay, Calgary, if you wanted, you probably weren't going to back go back to McMahon Stadium until you at least renovated. But uh we don't really have any other options at this point. So, uh, do you want the 2019 Great Cup? Just uh, put in a bid. Thanks. 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 Just, just, just call. Just, we're gonna leave our number here on this napkin. Uh, if you want, and that, that's, not, to, that, that's not. To, don't, that's don't not to. calling. That's not to disparage the fans of Calgary or the city of Calgary, who I know who will embrace the event and will love it. It's just McMahon's a dump. Like, <laughs> oh, a hundred percent, it is. Uh, it is absolutely a dump, and. I almost feel like that the CFL was probably so badly wanting them to go there that they didn't even have to, uh, you know, call. They could probably email, text, they maybe fax. faxed, yeah, yeah. Or you know what? <laughs> they sent them a message on their beepers. Ooh, wow. That's from a payphone. That's right. And now, see, the thing is, though, it's funny, Joel. Now, now that we talk about the Hamilton one, yeah. If the Arkells aren't playing halftime at the Grey Cup in Hamilton. Somebody needs to be fired. All the people need to be fired. <laughs> well, they have, they've already played like two other Ticats games there, haven't they? They have. But so I'm, I'm pretty sure they will, yeah. They're Hamilton in a band. They've played They played the uh, pre-show back in 2011. I mean, they might. They are arguably one of the most popular bands in Canada right now. Um, but yeah, seriously. If, if they are not playing the halftime show in Hamilton... I need to personally go up and fire, so I have no authority to fire anybody. I mean, I other than yourself, zero. Th- well, that's true. I just thought to myself, I'm like, well, can I fire myself from my job? <laughs> Question mark. I think I probably could, but I wouldn't do that. But I will personally go there. I will drive up to that person's house and be like, "Hey, you, you're fired." Then they'll probably say, "Get off my lawn." I've called the authorities. Yeah, I'll show them. <laughs> That's that's uh, exactly what would happen. So that's that's a good transition to, and I'm sure that's exactly why you're doing it, <laughs> to uh, this year's Grey Cup halftime show that was announced uh, earlier uh, last weekend. 
Alicia Kara, I believe that's how you pronounce her name. I, I know who she is. I'm not, as I put on Twitter, I'm not into today's music. I don't know today's music that well, but I know who she is. I, I thought it was Alicia Cara. Alicia Cara, yeah, that's that's what it Alicia. is. Oh, okay, let's just call her AC from now on. Yeah, so she's the halftime act, and understand as usual, the debate rages on about whether it's a good halftime show or not. I I personally, she's not my musical style, but I know who she is, and I know she's very popular amongst younger people, especially women, and so it makes sense because the Grey Cup halftime show is an advertisement for the game and to try to get other people besides football fans to tune in because I'm going to be there. You'll be at home watching on TV. We're going to be watching it regardless. So what we think really doesn't matter. As as I've said before, for me, musically, I'm stuck in the late 90s and 2000s kind of alt-rock, hard rock kind of stuff. So for me, it'd be like, you know, I think think Our Lady Peace should be hosting the halftime show. They're Canadian and they're, you know, what I like. Well, yeah, I'd like that. But would anyone under the age of like 25 care? No, probably not. No, not at all. No, <laughs> you, 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 but you're right. You, th- I'd also thoroughly enjoy it. Um, I, I think when you have a Grammy nominated popular Canadian superstar that is all over top 40 radio, you have the opportunity to go out and get them to play halftime. I think that's a huge name. And I think you had to do it. I think it's a great pick. Um, I will say kudos. And maybe this is just me in my own bubble. There seemed to be less bitching this year about the halftime act than there generally is. I mean, normally it's rabble, rabble, rabble. As you said, people saying it should have been Our Lady Peace or Kim Mitchell or Loverboy or Glass Tiger or somebody like that. And you're just rolling your eyes and shaking your head because you're right. If you don't like the act, do what I do at halftime. Make some effing nachos. (laughs) Lacey watches the halftime. If it's somebody Lacey's into, I go make nachos or go to the potty or something right um you're right not my kind of music but i i think right now in terms of popular music uh she's right up there in terms of your biebers your drakes um i always think um the arkells would be a good pick because i do think they draw a slightly younger demographic they're big cfl fans but i'm not going to sit here and argue that the arkells should have been picked over uh, ac it's funny every time i see ac i have flashbacks to rod black and Anthony Calvillo, and I feel dirty saying it, so we need to find, we need to call her by her name again. Um, but yeah, I was actually, and maybe it's because I feel like TSN's Mike Hogan got kind of in front of it mm-hmm. and said, and basically, before anybody had a chance to bitch about it, called everybody out and said, listen, it's not going to be lover boy. You're the kind of people that gripe, robble, 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 right? So I, I I think it's a good pick. I enjoy it. I Again, not my kind of music, but you know what? If all you have to worry about in your life is publicly shaming and publicly complaining about who is playing a halftime break during your favorite sports national championship, oh, my God, I wish I had your life. Seriously. <laughs> if that's all you have to worry about, if that is your only worry in life, Shut up for a second. You have it better than, like, everybody. Yeah. Yeah. And if if you are the type who wants to see Trooper or Platinum Blonde, apparently they're playing during the festival at some other point during the week. So if you really need that fix and you really want to see them live, you can go see them during the Great Cup Festival and then worry about the game on game day and not worry about halftime. And you know what? If you really want to feel like it, let's call this Build Your Own Halftime Show. For one, you can be that loser that sits at a show with your iPad right out front, 
recording the whole thing while you're blocking out the view of everybody else in a video you'll probably never watch again. But in this situation, you're going to watch it again. Because at halftime, you're going to stream it on your Apple TV to all your bros and say how great Trooper was for the 17th time as you as you get to hear yourself yell, raise a little hell over your crappy iPad video because you are the worst person on earth. That 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 was a bit of an aside. That might have been a little strong, and I feel like there was uh, there's a story there that we probably don't really need to get into <laughs> on this podcast. That's probably more for your therapist than it is for me. <laughs> I think I've just told the story but not said anything. <laughs> so I guess another story right now in Saskatchewan was um, the Riders' win over the Montreal Alouettes. Uh, pretty much expected that they would win. Um, once again, as I wrote on 3 Down Nation, they found a way to make a blowout. A very interesting football game when uh, they shouldn't have. But there are other signs from that game, and I, I think I asked the question if it's time to worry about the defense a little bit, and we talked about that last week, but I think more importantly, what came out of that football game was, do you trust the offense a little more now? They put up good numbers, they put up big, you know, Zach Caleros easily had his best game as a Saskatchewan Rough Rider, he put up nearly 400 yards passing, and... Yeah, okay, they had problems closing out the game at the end, the offense. They had a couple opportunities to really put their put that game away, and they couldn't do it. So I, I think that's still a concern. But overall, it was a positive step forward for the offense, or was it just because they were playing Montreal? I think, I think it was generally a positive step forward. I think you've seen some signs of slow but steady improvement throughout the year as uh, Calero seems to get healthier. And uh, and a little bit more confident with the players around him. You're finally starting to see a bit of a steady lineup come out there offensively. You know, we, we kind of know that, okay, Marcus Thigpen and Trey Mason are going to get the ball. You don't have the Deron Carter distraction there anymore. Uh, you're starting to see some guys come into their own a little bit. Jordan Williams-Lambert, uh, one of those guys uh, as well with, with Marshall as well on offense. You're starting to see Calera start to connect with those guys. And, hey, a 400-yard passing game or nearly 400 yards at any level is mighty impressive. And mm -hmm. I think they are showing signs of life. I do think I, I would not wager them to win any game that I'm betting the over. Like, I, they, I don't think they're going to win a shootout. If any of these playoff games go to a shootout, mm -hmm. uh, I think they're going to be in a world of hurt. But uh, suddenly, I feel like this is a team that if they're down 10 early, can actually score to get back. And that's that a few weeks ago, I did not feel like that at all. And, and two, with the Alouettes, as you said, you know, you, you made a blowout close, but they brought out, they busted out every every trick in the book just to try to get something going there. <laughs> Um, like the double reverse quarterback option play from Johnny Manziel, which, by the way, awesome play. Um, just, just don't play the drinking game that every time his name gets mentioned, that you, you know, <sighs> you go go ahead and you know take a sip, you'd probably die. But, you wouldn't uh, have made it to halftime. No, you. And that game started at 11 a.m. Like, <laughs> and 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 let's face it too. I think with the defense, I know in your piece you wrote that that maybe there's a little bit of worry. I'm still not worried because to me there are two games, there are two types of games that teams always seem to struggle in. Uh, Western teams playing that weird 11 a.m. Sasky time start in Montreal oh, yeah, and playing sure. that 8 p.m. start for us out out in Vancouver. Uh, so I'm, although it wasn't another great showing, 
Uh, you take that trick play off the board. You know, I, maybe they should have been more aware. They were looking for the pass back to Johnny, and he chucked it deep. Uh, great throw, by the way. But, uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm still not worried. I will be worried this week because this now, with them having a two-game lead on Edmonton, and I still talk in games, not points, because uh, points, points, don't matter in the, points don't matter in the CFL. Exactly. They don't. Um, having that two-win lead over Edmonton and now playing the Eskimos, mm-hmm. you know, I don't think it's a mathematical clinch if they win this one, but it's damn near close that you're going to have a chance to play a home playoff game or really you're going to have the inside track by a mile for a home playoff game if you win on Monday night. And if the defense lays an egg there, then I think we panic. If they come out and they're back to themselves, I expect the Ryder defense to be back to themselves. I really do, because I think this game, it's coming at, although Monday is a little weird, it's coming at a regular time, it's coming at home. If the defense can't show up for this game, it is time to hit the panic button. Yeah, and I I only ask the question because it's been three weeks in a row that they've kind of been average at best. And I, I, I I just wonder if maybe they've worn down a little bit from how much they've had to carry this team this year. I, again, I'm I, I'm with you. I'm not quite in the panic situation when it comes to the defense just yet, but you know it's a question I think that needs to be asked. And you know, and again, yeah, if if they lay an egg against Edmonton at home, then there's another question there. Yeah, and you're right that this is their this is the this is a game where I think we'll find out a lot about the Saskatchewan Rough Fighters team because right now, yeah, they have a, a two game lead on Winnipeg at Edmonton, and if they beat Edmonton by at least eight points, I believe, because they lost by seven the first time around. Yeah. They'll win the season series. So that effectively makes it, you go up to three with another win, you're basically four games up. Yeah. With the tiebreaker. And then you're currently two games up on Winnipeg. They already have the tiebreaker on Winnipeg. Depending on how that goes this week, then they could be at least three games up on Winnipeg because of the tiebreaker. Yeah. So, yeah, they haven't, they wouldn't have officially clinched, but I think... With only a few games left being up that level, you basically clinched at that point. So what the Riders need and what they need this week is for them to come out and say and send a message. And I I hate things like statement games and all those kinds of cliche things that people like to talk about. But this is kind of one of those games where they can come out and they can clearly establish themselves as the clear second best option in the West and the team that has the shot to take down Calgary. Because... For the most part, in the CFL this year, there's been Calgary, everyone else, and Toronto, Montreal at the bottom. Yeah. And <laughs> and the Riders have the opportunity to prove that, no, at the very least, they belong in their own bracket and come out and beat the Edmonton Eskimos this week to prove that they are better than this team that is currently a mess and not average like the rest of the league. Well, you know, it, it, you never know, though, with those Edmonton Eskimos, because sometimes firing your special teams quarter made se- mid-season can turn everything around. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun? Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.